you know, many of us, I think all of us here, uh, have been Christians for a long time, and I'm sure we can all look back on times when we felt encouraged, um, but also when we questioned, or when we wavered, or wobbled a bit from time to time. You know, Jesus never said that every day was going to be straightforward, that we'd always be riding high. Um, you know, he never said we were going to be separate from our neighbours, we would face similar things, we're living in a broken world, and we have to face many of the same things. It's just that we don't have to face them alone, do we? Uh, we face them with Jesus. We face them with that knowledge as well, that we're just passing through. We're on our way to a better place, whichever way you like to put it. Uh, a new heaven and a new earth. Because it says in, in Revelation 21, it says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. The first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God. So while we're waiting for that, we've got work to do. Uh, we're called to live our lives in service. Our eyes might be set on the horizon out there, the new heaven and the new earth, but we take each step uh, alongside our Lord and Saviour, who's going to guide and lead us as we go through. But sometimes we walk away from our guide. We don't always get it right. Uh, we need to find the courage, perhaps, to come back at times. Um, but what we do know is that he's not going to leave us. We may need to come back and ask for forgiveness and be restored, but he's always going to be there, right alongside. My, uh, as, I, as I was thinking about tonight, my initial thought came from my daily readings a few weeks ago, which were from the end of John's Gospel. and The devotional was called Going On With God. I've seen, you often see those mugs around and you know, they have slogans on them. And uh, I saw one some little while ago now, just said on it, carry on, carrying on. <laughs> um, sometimes it feels a bit like that, doesn't it? I don't think it was based on the carry on films with their dubious titles and double entendres and all the rest of it. Um, but within the office environment, which is often where you see these things, uh, it gives that thought of not questioning, just get on with it. Carry on regardless, or as uh, one person I used to work with often used to say, carry on rewardless. Uh, but um, not so with God. Um, going on with God you know, may sometimes have challenges, uh, but we're never going to be alone, we're never going to be ignored, and we're never going to be rewardless. We might step away from God, but he doesn't step away from us. We might even forget him from time to time, but he's never going to forget us. And even if we do turn our back on him or deny him, it doesn't mean that he's going to be finished with us either. I'm going to read from John chapter 21. It's quite a long uh, chapter. I'm not going to read all of it. I'm going to miss a few verses out in the middle. And just remember, of course, that it's the last chapter that John wrote in his Gospel. So it says, Jesus appeared again to his disciples by the Sea of Galilee. It happened this way. Simon Peter, Thomas, Nathaniel, the sons of Zebedee and two other disciples were together. I'm going out to fish, Simon Peter told them. And they said, well, we'll go with you. So they went out and got into the boat. But that night, caught nothing. Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore. But the disciples didn't realise that it was Jesus. He called out to them, friends, haven't you any fish? No, they answered. 
He said, throw your net on the right side of the boat and you'll, see so, you'll find some. When they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of a large number of fish. Then the disciple whom Jesus loves said to Peter, it's the Lord. As soon as Simon Peter heard him say, it is the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment round him, because he'd taken it off, and jumped into the water. The other disciples followed in the boat, towing the net full of fish, for they were not far from shore, about a hundred yards. When they landed, they saw a fire of burning coals there with fish on it and some bread. I often wonder where Jesus got them from, but anyway. Uh, Let me move on to verse 14, it says, This was now the third time Jesus appeared to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. When they finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. Very truly I tell you, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted. But when you're old, you'll stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. Then he said to him, follow me. Peter turned and saw the disciple whom Jesus loved was following him, following them. This is the one who had leaned back against Jesus at the supper and had said, Lord, who is going to betray you? I always find it funny the way John words that, isn't he? Why does he just say, he saw me following? <laughs> uh, because he, he declares it's him at the end anyway. When Peter saw him, he asked, Lord, what about him? Jesus answered, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what's that to you? You must follow me. Because of this, the rumour spread among the believers that this disciple would not die. But Jesus didn't say that he wouldn't die. He only said, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? This is the disciple, this is when he puts his hand up, this is the disciple who testifies to these things and who wrote them down. We know that his testimony is true. Jesus did many other things as well. If every one of them was written down, I suppose that even the whole world would not have room for the books that would be written. It's the last chapter of John. Now at the end of the previous chapter, there's a couple of verses, and obviously we didn't read them because they were at the end of the previous chapter, but it, they could perform the end of the Gospel in themselves. Because it says, Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. John could have finished his Gospel at that point. It summed up everything he needed to say. So, then he added another chapter. And that chapter, it was all about Peter's recommissioning and reinstatement. Interesting. Because if John had added, hadn't added that extra chapter, 
we might have been left wondering as we read through the New Testament whether we were reading about the same Peter. Because if he'd have left it where he left it, Peter had denied Jesus. And you could interpret that as he's gone. It's finished. There's a lot in the Gospels, isn't there, about Peter. He had lots of ups and downs. Um, and he's not the only one in the Bible who messed up. We could probably name a few, but just to comment on a couple. Remember Abraham. He lied about Sarah being his sister, not once, but twice. He twisted the truth, because although she was his wife, it was also, she was also his half-sister. King David, what can you say, committed adultery and tried to cover it up by committing murder. God didn't give up on him. John Mark, he deserted the Apostle Paul on his first mission trip. And there are many more uh, that we could talk about. But God hadn't finished with any of them. They weren't perfect, but God had chosen them. They messed up, but they repented. And God restored and carried on the walk with them. They had consequences, yes, but God never left them. So the Bible records failures, but it also records a lot of grace, and it's full of love. No one and nothing is beyond the reach of God. I'm sure we've heard that often, but then we still go through times questioning whether it can really apply to us. I'll spend a few minutes just having a look at at Peter in the Gospels. And perhaps some of these things might remind us of things in our own lives. Okay, we're not fishermen. Uh, We might not have walked on water. Not yet, anyway. Uh, Or uh, cut off the high priest's servant's ear. But we haven't got lots of other things right. Now, I'm not going to give a whole string of Bible verses and references, uh, because most of them are going to be familiar to us. Uh, I'd rather spend these few minutes talking about these rather than you trying to uh, work your way through flicking pages in the Bible. But uh, I'm sure you'll um, recognise all of these things. When Jesus called Peter, he knew what he was was doing. He knew who Peter was and who he would become. He knew what a, a roller coaster type of person he was. How one day he'd be on fire. He'd do anything to show his love for Jesus. And on another, he'd be making poor judgments or poor decisions. Falling asleep on the job or denying he even knew Jesus. But when Jesus called Peter, he promised to make him a fisher of men. He took Peter in the situation that he was. He spoke to him in a way that he would understand. And he saw in him the disciple he would become. He said to him, you are Simon, son of John. You will be called Cephas, or Peter, and on this rock I'll build my church. He described who Peter would become. But he had a way to go, he had a journey to go through, and lots of ups and downs. So Jesus had been with his disciples teaching the crowds, and when he sends his disciples off in a boat, he spends time alone praying. It's the middle of the night. And when the disciples see a figure coming towards them, walking on the water, they're scared. Who wouldn't be? But when they realise it's Jesus, who's the first one to act? Peter. If it's you, Lord, tell me to come to you on the water. 
and he does. What astonishing faith when you really think about it. But as Peter walks, he starts to fear. He takes his eyes off Jesus for a moment as he sees the wind and the water around him. It's easy to judge him, but don't we sometimes do the same? Don't we sometimes step out boldly but then start to waver? Perhaps there was a bit of Peter's ego mixed in there with his faith? We don't know. But Peter might have doubted. But what happened? Jesus reached out to save him. There's plenty of occasions where Peter was the first one to speak up when the disciples were together, asking Jesus to explain the parables. But when those around were questioning whether Jesus was really John the Baptist, or Elijah come back to life, or Jeremiah, or one of the prophets, it was Peter who recognised Jesus as the Christ, the Son of the living God. At that time, Jesus told him not to tell anyone else, and soon after he goes on to tell them of his forthcoming death. What does Peter do? He reacts strongly, saying it would never happen to Jesus. He reacts so strongly that Jesus turns to him and says, get behind me, Satan. You're a stumbling block to me. You don't have in mind the things of God, but the things of men. And he goes on to teach more about what it means to follow him and the cost. How bad must Peter have felt at that point? He just recognised Jesus as the Son of God. And so soon afterwards, he was lightened to Satan by the Son of God. Not a good day. About a week later, Jesus went with Peter, James and John up a mountain and there he was transfigured. His face shone like the sun and his clothes were white as light. Moses and Elijah appeared to him, with him and Peter went to build shelters for all three. Why? Well, perhaps Peter was, was trying to fulfil the promised glory without Jesus going through the suffering. He'd just been told about the suffering that was to come. Perhaps he was trying to avoid it. Had he really taken on board what Jesus said it meant to follow him? And God speaks from heaven. This is my son whom I love. With him I'm well pleased. Listen to him. Peter has his thinking corrected again. Shortly before his death, when Jesus was to share the Passover with his disciples in upper room, first of all he bent down to wash the disciples' feet. As he approaches Peter, Peter pulls back. First he questions Jesus, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replies, you don't realise now what I'm doing, but later you'll understand. Peter objects, you shall never wash my feet. And when Jesus tells him that unless he washes his feet, you'll have no part of him, Peter swings the other way. Then, Lord, not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well. That's another Peter thing. He sometimes swings between extremes, from an adamant no to an over-the-top yes. But actually, if you think about it, he's still dictating to Jesus. He's trying to take control and do things on his terms. He's got to learn to submit. 
I wonder, do we sometimes try to tell Jesus what he should be doing? Or we take time to ask him what he wants us to do through searching his word and through prayer. (coughs) Jesus predicts that the disciples would all fall away from him that fast overnight. And once again, Peter, I'll stand by you forever. The others may fail, but not me. Of course, Jesus then tells him that he's going to deny him three times. Perhaps we wouldn't make such bold statements now. But I know there's times when I don't always stand up for Jesus as I should. And I suspect I'm not alone. And then after sharing the bread and the wine together, Peter accompanied Jesus to the garden of Gethsemane. and fell asleep three times when Jesus had asked him to watch and pray. He reacted angrily when Jesus was arrested and he cut off the servant's ear. And then after Jesus' death, he went back to fishing. Although he did meet with the other disciples, albeit behind locked doors. He spent three years with Jesus, learning from the Master. But at the end of it, he appeared broken, disheartened, disorientated. Have we ever felt like that, or even a bit like that? Perhaps we need a fresh encounter with Jesus. That's what happened to Peter that morning on the beach. That's why John added the final chapter to his Gospel. We just read that that Peter was out fishing when he realised it was Jesus standing on the shore. And what's he do? He jumps in the water and swims to Jesus. Now, I'm not sure whether he thought he might be able to walk, um, you know, and ended up swimming, I don't know. Um, but whatever it was, it was typical of Peter, wasn't it, to just do it. Jesus asked Peter how much he loves him and, and gently leads Peter to a realisation of how much he still loved Peter. Jesus reinstates Peter. Then after Jesus ascends to heaven and sends his Holy Spirit as tongues of fire, Peter becomes a powerful man of God, preaching, teaching, healing and leading. He was now fully released to be all that God wanted him to be. And so he preached a sermon and 3,000 believed. He continues to teach Many come to faith and so he's soon called up before the authorities where he's told to explain himself. And he doesn't hold back. He tells them they crucified the Son of God. A very different man to the one that we saw in the locked upper room. He was now becoming Peter the Rock. Jesus said he would become. He was the leader of the early church. Peter was fulfilling Jesus' call on his life. He dealt with critics, with the authorities, with problems amongst the believers. But he still had things to learn. He had a vision of a large sheep being lowered from heaven, full of all sorts of animals that were considered unclean by the Jews. Typical again of Peter, it had to be repeated three times, with the sheep going up and down to heaven. But eventually he got it. He had to change his thinking. And in Acts 10 he says, I now realise how true it is that God doesn't show favouritism but accepts men from every nation who fear him and do what's right. So Peter was a man that Jesus called to serve him. He had failings. Some will say many. 
so do I. So do you. When Jesus reinstated Peter, he simply asked him how much he loved him. And dug a little deeper and said, is it affection, is it brotherly love in the sense of a family? Or is it total and unconditional love? Each of us are a work in progress. Sometimes it's good to ask ourselves that same question from time to time. How much do we love Jesus? What was it that that moved Peter from that cowardly, three times denying disciple into a fearless witness for Christ? What took him out of that locked room onto the streets to reach the lost? He'd followed and been taught by Jesus for three years. But ultimately it was the power of the Holy Spirit who Jesus had promised when he was on earth that extraordinary help for ordinary people. That's what transformed him. Jesus knew what Peter was like when he called him but he also knew what he could become. And so God can take us and change us but rarely does he actually take us and change us to the extent that we're totally unrecognisable. God works in us and through us, but also with us. He gave us our personalities, our characters, but then through the power of the Holy Spirit, he can mould us to use us, to use all that he's given us to his glory. Taking communion together gives us that opportunity to reflect on where we stand with God, to recommit ourselves to him, remembering that he called us as he did Peter and that he doesn't make mistakes. Peter's blunders, his limitations, his impulsiveness, his his human frailty, they all seem to endear him to everyone, certainly to me, someone you can identify with. He walks on water with Jesus and yet follows at a distance on land. He denies Jesus three times on the night of his trial and he returns to fishing when he thinks his Lord has gone. And yet after being filled and empowered by the Holy Spirit, he preaches a sermon and 3,000 come to know the Lord. When Jesus said to Simon, you're Peter, you will be a rock, he followed through. No matter what we are by nature, with Christ's help, we can become the man or woman who God wants us to be. At times, Peter was a bit like a reed tossed in the sea. Perhaps we feel like that from time to time. But he did become a rock. God might not be asking us to preach to 3,000, but you never know. Um, But he does call us to follow him wherever he leads, to trust him even when things may not seem logical. And then also to be open to him leading us into his best for us. I came uh, across an article actually from a long time ago in our church magazine, uh, many years ago I did make a note of it it's not that I've been thumbing through magazines for a long time but this was from 1986 so no, I'm going back that far um, it says God's ways are not our ways God chooses people who can work with and through, who he can work with and through people who are willing to follow to learn, to grow, to witness people who are willing to serve to serve Jesus and to serve his church and that doesn't mean holding office It means serving his people. 
He calls those who are willing to get their hands dirty, those who are willing to mix with those who need him, those who may be on the edge of society, as well as those well integrated in society. He calls those those who are willing to give up everything, to surrender everything to him, including their life. He calls those he knows will need his support. Those he knows will mess up and need to be restored. But most importantly, he calls those who love him. So as we take communion, let's take the opportunity to think through what God would have us hear and act on. What is it that God would have you to take away tonight? Perhaps you need to realise again God's grace and reinstatement because you feel you failed in some way. Maybe you need to be prepared for the next lesson that Jesus wants to teach you. Perhaps it's a, a fresh touch of God or the Holy Spirit in your life. Or perhaps you simply need to realise afresh that God loves you for all that you are.